And everybody said amen. God bless you today. Thank you so much for being in the house of the Lord. My wife and I and my father-in-law enjoyed a few days away and uh, thankful to be home, refreshed. I didn't hit a lick at anything all week long. I, I put my brain in neutral. I didn't pick up a book. I didn't, I didn't do anything. We cooked. We sat around. We talked. We sang. My Lord, we had church one night. Uh, brother and sister Shoemake were there with us, and she got her keyboard out, and they began to sing the old songs uh, that we grew up with. And my, the Lord moved into that place and ministered. It was such a wonderful blessing. I came in last night and I talked to the Lord a little bit. I had to apologize. Lord, I haven't been very faithful this week. I hope you will forgive me. Uh, but I'm here today. I'm glad you're here. I believe God's in this place this morning. I believe God's going to minister to somebody here today. So glad to have our guest with us. God bless you for being here today. Turn with me to Psalms chapter 8. This particular portion of Scripture uh, had been uh, lodged in my mind and thinking long before this week, and it seemed a couple of events this week just brought it uh, more forcefully to mind. And I, I just want to turn your attention there, and hopefully something can happen when you begin to consider the word of the Lord. Two men looked out of prison bars. One saw mud, the other saw stars. You're going to see what you're looking for. And hopefully the word of God will somehow grab your attention for a few moments today. In a high-tech world where you have so many gadgets and we have so many ways of communicating, the fact is, according to statistics, we communicate less now. We call it communicating, but texting is not communicating. Emailing is not communicating. You only communicate when you sit with somebody and you talk with them and they talk with you. Amen. That's true communication. But we have all of those things. We see less. We hear less. We know less. Amen. Maybe God can help all of us today. Psalms chapter 8. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who hath set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine adversaries, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visiteth him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands, Thou hast put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, yea, and the beast of the field, the fowl of the air and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the sea. 
O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. And somebody said, Amen. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the sun, the the moon, and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visiteth him? And then he goes on to describe man, a little lower than the angels, but crowned. Everybody say crowned. Crowned with glory and honor and made him to have dominion. Everybody say dominion. Dominion over the works of thy hands. And you have put all things under his feet. Everybody say under my feet. Not over my head, but under my feet. He put all things under my feet. Amen. No wonder the psalmist concluded by saying, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name, O Lord. And everybody said, Amen. For a subject this morning, maybe it's time to look up. Maybe it's time to look up. And everybody said, Amen again. God bless you. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, help the preacher preach today. You may be seated. The man was an infidel, and he boasted of his infidelity. He was proud that he not only did not believe in God, but he wanted others to join with him. He pushed it on those who came around, and he Uh, would antagonize anyone of a contrary feeling or belief. He hung as a motto in his house a plaque that read, God is nowhere. God is nowhere. Proud of his infidelity, proud of his agnosticism, proud of his intelligence and proud of his accomplishments. He boldly declared that God is nowhere. But in that home was a little boy, a little boy that was growing and learning. And as he developed in life, he learned how to spell. And as a child often does, He would go through the house and everything that he would see, he would spell it out because he was proud of his accomplishment. And this little boy one day happened to see that plaque that his father had planted on the wall. And he paused for a moment and he began to spell it out. G-O-D, God. I-S, is. N-O-W, now, H-E-R-E, here. God is now here. (laughs) Oh, listen to me, church. When that father, his noted infidelity to to, to many others, when he heard the simplicity of his son, stating the fact of what that plaque really said, all of a sudden something gripped his heart and he adopted the spelling of his son for his own life. 
Rather than God is nowhere, God is now here. Hallelujah. You know, life is very much like that. It all depends on how you spell it. Praise God. If you were to ask a medical student what is man, he would tell you that he is nothing but a highly developed vertebrae, that he is nothing but a a, a clever, successful ape who has bested his competition And in the struggle for existence, he has come out on top. If you ask the philosopher, what is man? He will tell you that man is a vapor. He is just a breath that passeth away. He is a bubble upon a wave of causation. And he is here today and he is gone tomorrow. And man is but one of nature's many experiments which will give way at some point to something more developed by and by. And his destiny is only what he pictures himself to become. But if you ask the psalmist, what is man? If you ask the songwriter, what is man? What a different view of life is given I don't know when this particular psalm was written, but it is noted as a psalm of David. So perhaps it was written early in his life when he was just a young man out on the hillside tending his father's sheep, being the servant that God had called him to be there in the vastness of this world surrounded by nature and all of the glories that the night revealed when he looked up into the heavens, something overwhelmed him, something overpowered him, and he began to see in those heavens a message. He began to see in those heavens not a mystery, not an unknown, and not an unknowable, but a fact that he could build his life upon and a principle by which he could base his living by. Here is a man who could have uh, seen only a limited view of the heavens. He had only a small grasp of the magnitude of creation with his natural eyes unaided by telescopes or, or, or magnifying glasses or binoculars. But this man saw something in creation. He saw something when he looked up into the heavens that helped him. He saw something when he lived his eyes from the problems that surrounded him and the loneliness of his life when he lifted up his eyes he saw something that transformed not only his mind but his life isn't it strange that here we are some 3,000 perhaps 3,500 years later and now we have every aid available we have a Hubble telescope that can look into the far reaches of the universe. I saw somewhere this week where the the Hubble telescope captured a, a star exploding. It's the farthest they've ever been able to see to to view an explosion of that nature. 
and, and we have means of taking man to the far corners of the universe. We have some kind of device on, uh, uh, on Mars, from what I understand, that's sending back pictures. And, and I know there's probably some old-timers that say, oh, they're just doing that. That's Hollywood. But the truth is they are doing that. There are instruments that are circling our globe right now that have improved our communication. And now you don't have to go to a phone and, 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 and be uh, limited by a landline. You can walk through the mall and talk to somebody on the other side of the world. You can get on a computer and move from where you are to another portion of life. You can view and see and know and have at your disposal everything that should encourage us. And yet the fact is this is the most depressed generation that has lived in a long time. If you don't believe that, go down to Kmart, Walmart, go down to Walgreens or CVS and just ask them, how many medications do you dispense on a daily basis that are only there to help men cope with life. They're not about an illness. They're not about a disease. They're not about a sickness. They're not about some malfunction in the body. They are simply given to help people cope with life. You would think that we would see farther than we've ever seen and know more than we've ever known, and yet the truth is Many of us here this morning are limited by our problems. And we are limited by the, the surroundings that we find ourselves in that have hemmed us in. And we feel like there is no way out. There is no answer. There is no, uh, there's nothing that anybody can do. I'm just going to have to live with this. And so we live surrounded by our limitations rather than freed by the power of the knowledge of what God has done and who God is and what he is ready to do. What we sang about while ago is more than just a cute song. It is the truth. He is my provider. He is my healer. He is my helper. He is my strength and he is my stay in time of trouble. It seems that the extension of our knowledge through our discoveries of the universe has taken the form of objections rather than approvals. And now we fight the gospel and now we fight the facts that are stated in the word of God and we do not found our life upon their simple principle and that is faith in God. That God is in control and God knows what he's doing and God is still involved in this universe. What you and I see will determine what we find. And I'm here to tell you this morning that there is no problem that has beset you or I 
that has not always beset mankind. Amid the amazing displays of power, this psalmist saw something that encouraged him. It didn't depress him. It didn't overwhelm him, but it lifted him. When he looked up into the heavens and he saw the display of God's glory and Monday night this past week, I'm telling you, was one of the most brilliant nights I have ever seen in my life. There wasn't a cloud anywhere. There were no lights, no natural light. There was no moon and the stars looked like they had exploded in the heavens. I saw things Monday night I hadn't seen in years and eons of my life. When in that moment of lifting up my eyes into the heavens, I began to feel what that psalmist must have felt two or three thousand years ago when he looked into those same heavens that have not changed one iota from that day. They are the same. That star rises or, or that star is there as it always has. Those things of nature continue as they are. And he saw it just like I saw it. And what he saw lifted him up. The psalmist that we read from here is one of a number of psalms that celebrate the praise of God in the phenomena of nature. In Psalms 19, he praises the God who created the sun and here the moon and the stars. In Psalm 29, he talks about the thunderstorm. In Psalm 65, he talks about the harvest. And in Psalms 104, he talks about the glory and the order of creation. The natural world is dealt with in these Psalms by the Hebrew poet and described in such force and in such animation and a wealth of imagination that the colors cannot be duplicated by man. What he describes here in these passages is beyond what our mind can even comprehend. But hear me. The ode of the Hebrew, the poem that the psalmist sang was never merely recognition of nature. Nature was not the point. It was what nature revealed that was the point. The sun, the moon, the stars, the clouds, the thunder, the lightning, that's not the focus. It's what that thunder and what that lightning and what that moon and what those stars turn your attention to. It's what nature reveals that is the point. You see, nature is God's way to say to us, look at this. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. And when you begin to look at this, and then you turn and start looking at that, you realize that if I could do this, then certainly I can do that. When you start looking around at the glory and the stars and the moon and the sun and the thunderstorm and the rain, and God did all of that. God said, if I can do that, I can handle this. Whatever this is, I, I, I'm not stymied by your problems. I have only come to tell you that I am greater than your problems. You see, nature is an instrument in the hands of God by which he manifests his power. It is a sense of God's presence that is behind everything. 
It is the knowledge that God is in the mix, that God fills the world from which there is no escape. The sun and the moon are His witnesses and heralds. The clouds are His glory. The light is His robe. The storm cloud is His chariot. The thunder is His voice. And the lightning flash reveals the glimpses of His brilliance. And stamped upon all of those things is the power and the glory of God. An undeniable and an inescapable power that said, I'm here. Amen. I'm here. Hallelujah. We are often called to Scripture to consider. And here in Psalms chapter 8, the psalmist said, It would be of help to all of you to stop for a moment and think and look at life in a new perspective and consider the heavens. When one considers these things, then the heavens will provoke out of you various feelings and thoughts. When I began to look at this particular psalm, I began to realize why this man was so encouraged. When the psalmist said, Consider thy heavens and the work of thy hand, the heavens made this psalmist feel that as great as they were, And as vast as this universe is, and as wondrous as it is, he said in his own words that man is a product of divine love and thought and power and intent. That I am not an accident. That I am not a mistake. That I am not just some whim of life. That I am not an experiment that's going on where somewhere down the road God or something, nature will develop something better than I am. But I, in fact, am a product. Everybody say it. I am a product. I am a product of divine thought. I am a product of divine thinking. I am a product of divine love. I am a product of divine power. I am a product of divine intent. You hear me this morning, church family. You are important to God because of how He made you. You are made by God. Hallelujah. I don't care what the world you live in trying to tell you right now. You were made by God. You were created by God's thought, by His love and by His power. And you come with divine purpose. You come with divine intent. And when the psalmist began to consider that, he remembered that when I am made by love, that then I have wondrous possibilities. I am destined, and he used the word dominion. He he talks about having authority and being in a position of authority. It talks about living life in such a way that you're above and not beneath, that you're the head and not the tail. Now, that's not just prosperity gospel. That's God's divine intent. God never intended for any of us to be ruled by our fears or ruled by our emotions. Emotions are ruled by our misconceptions. God intended for you and I to have dominion. 
That means those things should be under us. That we should exercise authority over them rather than them exercising authority over us. How could David come to that conclusion? Because if I am divinely thought out, and if I am divinely loved, and if I am divinely empowered, and if there is a divine intent to my life, then certainly God would not waste that kind of effort on something that has no potential. Amen. So you have great possibilities this morning. Some of you need to live up to that. You need to look up so you can live up to it. Amen. You have divine possibilities. Quit squandering your life and wasting your life on things that do not matter. Amen. You matter. You, you, you're gonna, you, you have a place of authority in God's divine design and kingdom. It was a little boy that had been diagnosed with a grave illness and he had overheard the doctors talking. They, they tried to keep it from him, but he, he overheard them talking and they, they gave to the family and to the mother and dad a very poor prognosis. Your son is not going to live. He, he's not going to beat this. This disease is just too much. And so... Uh, the young boy began to process all that, and he thought, well, if it's over, I might as well give up. And so he just gave up. And they would come in and try to encourage him, and nothing they could do would change him. Nothing they would do would help him. They, they cut out all of his activities because the parents realized they only had a little bit of time. But the more they cut out of his life, the more depressed he became and the more despondent he kept going down and down and down. And the doctors finally came in and their, their observation was this illness is not going to kill him, but the depression is. And so the parents got together and said, well, you know what? Why don't we go back and let's put back into his life the normal routine. Let, let's get school teachers back in here. Let's, let's bring some regular activities. So they get the school teacher and the school teacher comes in knowing that the child is going to die, knowing that he's terminal. But the teacher came in with her books and when he showed up, the little boy perked up. And he got to listening to what the teacher was saying. And the next day he was doing better. And the next day he was doing better. And the next day he was doing better. And the doctors were dumbfounded. What has turned this child around? What has made him want to live? And finally they stopped and asked the little boy, Can you tell us what happened? What transformed you? He said, The day the teacher showed up. He said, I figured that if you're going to send somebody to teach me how to spell, then I was going to live long enough to know how to spell. Folks, listen to me this morning. There's a lie that the world has perpetrated throughout our world right now that you don't matter, that I don't matter, that if I die, nobody's going to notice that. If I go out of the way, there'll be somebody else to take my place. But I'm here to tell you that you have great possibilities and you have a great possibility in your future because God made you and he made me to be what he has called us to become. Amen. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy hand, that, made, that, that God made this for us. And if God made this for us, 
How great must be our lives to Him. God wouldn't waste such potential, such possibilities. It should be a call to every one of us to live greatly. God didn't make me for the junk pile. God didn't make me to be a heap of trash somewhere that's used and discarded. God did not bring me into this world so I could waste my life in nothingness and put my life to no use when I began to consider the hand of God and the work of His creation, I realized that I am here for a purpose. And God has put a sense of value into my life. And so I'm not going to waste my life. I'm not going to waste my living squandering it on things that do not matter. Amen. Praise God. Don't let somebody or something push you into believing that you're nothing. It is God's divine reinforcement of our lives as God's means of alleviating the unpleasant distresses of life that God is here. Everybody say God is here. As God's assurance that all will be well because I am here. Amen. I am here. Everybody say he's here. When the psalmist looked up into the heavens, it reminded him that God was everywhere. Amen. You're surrounded by glory. Everywhere you look, glory, 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 majesty. As much as man has tried in his desperate attempt to duplicate nature, we've never been able to duplicate it. They tried to duplicate the human body with the robot. But all they get is this machine that only can operate by instructions. It doesn't have a will. It doesn't even have a mind of its own. We've tried to duplicate all of those things, but we've never been able to create the seed. We might can duplicate a plant by messing with the seed, but we can't produce the seed. Why? Because God's great power and majesty has already worked all of that out. And when the psalmist began to consider that, God is everywhere. Some look up into the heavens at certain times in their life and they feel like heavens mock them and they despise their hopes and they confirm their fears. But others look up into the same heavens and they see God everywhere. God everywhere. Every star means God is there. Every star means God has been here. Every galaxy means God is here. He's everywhere. He's everywhere. Somebody say that with me. He's everywhere. But more important than God being everywhere, God is here. Amen. Say it with me. God is here. Right now. Everybody say right now. Say in my mess. Come on. Say in my mess. In my hurts, in my troubles, in my discouragements, in my heartaches, in my sorrows. He is here. God is now here. (laughs) Right here. He's not out there. He's right here. And I want to tell you something, church. When I began to look up into the heavens Monday night and I began to see the glory of that display, all of a sudden I realized He is Right here. Sitting in that chair beside me, communing with my heart and my spirit, 
When I look up into the heavens which represent the unknowns and the unexplored things, they no longer shake me and they no longer frighten me and they no longer overwhelm me. Because if he could do that, surely he can help me handle this. Because God is now here. Everybody say now here. God is now here. Right where I am. Amen. God is now here. That means that I'm never alone. Somebody say it. I'm never alone. I'm never alone. I'm never alone. And when you begin to sense God's presence in your life, you will discover a new power that will help free you from the bondage of fear. When you begin to realize that the God who is there is here. Amen. The God who was there is right there in the middle of that explosion that happened on the job. I don't mean natural. I mean an emotional explosion. That God is right there in the middle of that home dispute. That he's right there in the middle of that chaotic issue on the job or on the freeway. That God is now here. Amen. We were going out of town Sunday afternoon and we were traveling down the highway with some friends and we de- they decided for unknown reasons to me to pull over, pull into a rest stop just to get out and stretch the legs and get out and walk around a few minutes. He said, are you all ready? Yes, sir, we're ready. Let's go. We pulled back out on the freeway and less than a mile down the freeway was a wreck. And folks, I'm not exaggerating when I tell you that the vehicles that were in that wreck were running alongside us until we decided to stop. Don't tell me God is not here. Don't tell me that God is not involved in my life. Don't tell me that God doesn't know what's ahead. And if I'll just look up, you know what? Maybe it's time for some of you to look up. And I mean really look up. I mean open your eyes and open the eyes of your soul and look around you at what God has done, the mystery of this world, and realize that if God could do all of that, come on, folks, explain something to me. How can a black or a brown cow eat green grass and give white milk? Now you tell me where that came from. How can a bee take a tiny microscopic portion of pollen from one flower and move it to another flower and cause germination that produces the peach? that you love to eat during the summertime. How could that happen? How could God take a little blossom that pops out about this time on the end of your tree and it begins to grow and that blossom turns into a kernel and it turns into an, an apple an orange, a pear, a peach. 
God could do all of that. God could do all of that. Don't you think he knows if I need a job or if I need financial help or if I need strength in my marriage or if I need an answer on the job? Don't you think that if God could figure all of that out, he knows how to get me through the maze of stuff that life has thrown at me? When I consider thy heavens, you know, maybe it would do all of us some good today to stay, stop for a little while and just take a look at all that God has done and all that God is. And when you see all of that, you realize that God, surely, if I am going through what I'm going through, I'm not going through it alone and you are here. You know what, folks, when you begin to believe that God is with you, that you are not alone, you'll be delivered from fear, you'll be delivered from doubt, you'll be delivered from questions that torment your mind when you realize that you are not alone, that God is now here. Say it with me. God is now here. Everybody say it again. God is now here. Let's stand together.